please just review us, please. The internet, our current frontier. These are the episodes of the podcast Let's Rewatch. Our continuing mission to watch strange old movies to see if they're still any good or if we just remember them that way. To boldly judge because millennials do that sort of thing. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. I'm Ash. And we've got a guest with us this time. His name is Benj Gaynor. Welcome, Benj. Thank you. Happy to be here. Benj is a stand-up comedian, writer, actor. All those things, yes. Excellent. Um, so I think we'll get to get a little taste of your uh, your humor here as we go through our show. You left off reformed Trekkie. Reformed? <laughs> why Why reformed? Uh, you know, no, I, I do love it. I just, you know, there was a time where I was much more passionate about it than I am now. But okay, that's why I'm interested to go back and see First Contact and... What yeah. if this is the thing that kicks off your addiction again? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're really playing this, with fire here, folks. <laughs> this is important information, and, and I'm going to leverage that. So you've, you've grown up with Star Trek. You yes. loved it in your youth. My like first brush with Star Trek was watching the... Uh, arena episode at Vasquez Rocks like oh yeah Kirk fighting the Gorn and like hiding yeah. behind the couch because the babysitter put it on that's that is my first start <laughs> I really want to go out to Vasquez Rock like it's oh, super it's su- close oh yeah it's amazing if we ever need like a desert landscape for a project we're working on we need to go out to Vasquez yeah it's it's, okay. it's multi-purpose yeah so as you might guess for this episode we're going to be watching a Star Trek movie but we're not going to start from the beginning We're going to be watching Star Trek First Contact from 1996. This is the eighth Star Trek movie and the second movie with the Next Generation cast. It took them eight movies to make First Contact. It did indeed. (laughs) That's a lot of movies. Yeah. But those other ones, those other ones don't count. This is the First Contact. And this one is directed by Jonathan Frakes, which actually continues a long tradition of cast members eventually directing episodes or full-length movies. I know that Shatner and Nimoy directed a couple movies. Frakes directed several episodes. I think he became a very good director. So, Ash. Yes. You don't know much about Star Trek. I'm the odd man out. Is (laughs) Benedict Cumberbatch in this one? (laughs) You wish. (laughs) Did you, have you... I'm curious, have you seen the Cumberbatch movie? Have you seen any I of have. the movies? Yeah, I saw the first two new ones, but I haven't seen the most recent new okay. one. Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> so we'll, in, in Star Trek parlance, we'll refer to that as the Kelvin timeline, okay. which is a completely different <laughs> timeline of stories. Oh, really? So, Weren't they like remaking, like wasn't it, story? I heard that it was like, it was like either episodes or movies that they had made before that they like remade. Well, yeah. So in the Kelvin timeline, they're basically in a different, they've like rebooted certain history okay. so they can move in a different direction and they can tell stories that are kind of similar to stories we've already seen because they're in a different reality at this point. Gotcha. So okay. Cumberbatch's character is a very, very famous character from a different Star Trek movie. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Which right. I think is one of the only Star Trek movies I've seen. Okay, so Brett and Sam, you're both, you've seen a lot of TV Star Trek, but maybe yes. not so many movies. Yeah, we're, we're closing in on on watching uh, the end of all of TV Star Trek. Okay. Mm, uh, I'm not ready for it to be a <laughs> Well, Discovery's <laughs> cooking. We'll get that in the summer, probably. 
but uh, movie wise, I think Sam and I have seen the same movies, mm-hmm. uh, which are which are uh, Rathacon and Generations. Oh, okay. is that the one that we watched? I yeah. Remember. Okay, so Generations would immediately precede this movie. Yeah, and then the new action Star Treks. Cool. So. <laughs> You know, I, I don't want to get down the rabbit hole of talking too much about our cast. There's just so many of them. But I'd like I'd like to try out a little game here because I think that even if you haven't watched Star Trek, it really gets into our culture. And I think a lot of people know things about Star Trek without knowing about Star Trek. And I think we should take it like this. We're going to go with Benj and Ash to play this game. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to go through some questions and if Ash can't handle the question it'll be to Benj. Because I think there will be a lot of these things that Ash will be able to oh, tackle. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, cuz I always think about Galaxy Quest, which mm-hmm. I love Galaxy Quest, and I remember when we watched it, you guys were like, "Oh, there's all these Star Trek jokes." And I'm just like, "To yeah. me, they're Galaxy Quest jokes, you know." <laughs> yeah. And and they're both because a gal- the best Galaxy Quest jokes are Star Trek jokes. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. Totally. In fact, Benj, did they not shoot part of Galaxy Quest at Vasquez Rock? That sounds right. It's been a while like since I've seen Galaxy that. Quest. Yeah. Anyway. That I feels right. Train yeah. back to you, sorry. So um, I want to start by talking about our, our, our characters here. So Ash, who is, going from the top down, who is first in command in our crew on the Starship Enterprise? Captain Kirk? That's almost the correct answer. <laughs> we're we're now moving into a different crew. This is the Star Trek: The Next Generation Captain crew. Picard? There you go. Okay. So this is the second movie featuring the Next Generation characters. Gotcha. Okay. I feel like oh, that thing is name Next Generation. Got yeah. it. So this would have been around eighty years after the end of the original cast. Wait, in real life? Story, story years. Oh, okay. Story, story. I was like, <laughs> how old is William Shatner? Oh, my God. <laughs> so I knew that, he was he old, but jeez. <laughs> so, yeah, Captain Picard, of course, is the captain. And to give us some context to get us up to speed for this movie, of course, this being the eighth movie after seven years of the TV show. Uh-huh. Uh, Captain Picard is a very established diplomat. He's one of the most senior captains in the Federation. Okay, I know he's bald. He's bald. (laughs) (laughs) That's an important thing. I got that. I think during during uh, uh, Next Gen, he was balding, right? He had had that. Oh, he did a little. He was always bald on the top, but yeah, (laughs) the sides went more. Will he do his famous facepalm move, though? I don't think he does that in this movie. Okay. (laughs) Might. Anyway, and and what I think is interesting about Picard in general, in particular to this movie, is you know Next Generation was in the '90s when you had a lot of episodic television, and you would have some conflict, and then it would end, and then the next episode happens, and there's no stakes. Every episode starts over again with nothing having really changed. Right. And I think Captain procedural, right? Exactly. And I think Captain Picard really changed that specifically, as you know about the Borg. Do you They're know about the Borg? Bad people. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. They're sort of like the Cybermen on Doctor Who. Okay. Robots that okay. will take humans and turn them into robots. They have no oh. emotion. They just want to conquer the fuck out of everybody. Okay. They want to cut up your planet and consume it, and they want to turn the people into more Borg. Yeah. Okay. Their whole thing is like, you will become Borg, and everyone's like, why? And like, 
Cause. Cause. (laughs) (laughs) And so there was a moment in the show where Captain Picard was literally turned into a Borg Mm -hmm. and became the leader of an invasion to destroy Earth. You're telling me that the process of taking a human being and making them a robot is reversible? It and will make that sense was, if you see it. Okay. Does it make sense, Sam? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a little bit of stretch. It makes more sense than the Cybermen and Doctor Who. Yeah. That's true. That shit doesn't yeah. make sense either. <laughs> and so that was a time when on TV we saw something really fuck with a character. Something he had a very difficult time coming back from. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And this really affected him. And, and Patrick Stewart has said in interviews that he really enjoyed how suddenly the character had flaws. Had things that had truly hurt him. Okay. And this, I think, started getting us on a path to better television. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I think, is an interesting question, and I'll accept two answers. Moving down in the ranks, who's the next person in charge on the Enterprise? Uh, Benji. Ben. <laughs> okay, Ben, who's the next ben. person? Um, that is uh, Commander Riker. Okay, oh. Commander William Riker. Okay, I know you guys talk about him all the time. <laughs> they <Tall>. they mention <laughs> him a lot. Tall guy with a beard. Yeah, he used to be terrible, and then he grew a beard, and then he was awesome. Yeah, yeah he, okay. he's the general consensus. The sexy one. The sexy one. Okay. <laughs> well, when? well, you'll see. So he's executive. Does he look just like Bryce and Brett? Is that why you're saying that? He's no. like past past tense sexy. I'm saying it because there's like weird, ugly aliens, and he's meant to be like the attractive male. Oh, and, oh, and, I yeah. think I know who you're talking about now, and he's like kind of. The aliens come on the ship, and they're like. This one has a beard. <laughs> like, <laughs> see, Kirk, proving once and for all, beards are sexy. <laughs> Kirk would beam down to the planet and and have sex with aliens. But I in, know that gag. Yeah, yeah. In Next Generation, uh, they took on this angle of he's the executive officer, he's in charge of the crew, he's in charge of protecting the captain. So Riker is a guy who would go down to the planet and would always stop Picard from going down to the planet, oh. which means Riker got to have sex with hot aliens. And he himself was a hot alien? <laughs> well, no, he's, he's human. human. He's human? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, he's tall, bearded guy from Alaska. He's from Alaska? Yeah. No wonder he's I'm hot. I'm glad he made it out. <laughs> and so he's been offered his own starship many times, but he's always turned it down because he wants to stay with this crew. Um, well, yeah, look at all the pussies. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, who would you say is our next person in line? Data? Wow, you got it. You nailed yeah! it. Yeah! Dude, you're doing better than me. Okay. It's been so long, I can't remember. So, Data, you yeah, might I'm remember. I'm running as... out of names I know, though. Yeah. <laughs> like... Data, you might remember as a fucking robot who has no business being crew oh on a starship. Oh, my God. Uh, wait a minute. Oh so, let me tell you, Nick, I have a story for okay, you. Okay, go ahead. Right after we, have we this recorded our Westworld episode, I was running late to the Women's March in Los Angeles and I really needed to print my posters. I had a conversation with my printer that never works. And I said, dear printer, if ever you were to work, let it be today. The world needs you. The fate of humanity depends on you, printer. Please work. And it printed four large scale prints in perfect color flawlessly. It loves me now. I have made a connection. Oh no, Sam! I think you're proving his point. Never, never printed worked. a fucking thing. <laughs> Is that ever. the new Turing so test? So when they quick the <laughs> I have made that connection, Nick, and they won't come for me. <laughs> Correlation is not causation. You know what? <laughs> you go in there and talk to my printer. We'll see. 
So yeah, I'm I'm not going to say much more about Data. He's Android. He's officially the second officer. He's the operations officer on the ship. Okay. He's a fucking robot, and, and he's not to be trusted. Him. He's I, I no, he's not to you be. You are both oh, wrong. really. Oh oh goodness. Data, data in in half of the episodes is the only reason the crew survives. Yes, more than is half. He? more than half. Every episode has a Data moment. Every episode? Like, if you go back and watch, I bet 9 out of 10 have a Data moment. No, as a kid, I thought Data was the coolest because he's basically invincible, but that's the worst thing you can imagine when he flips a switch and goes rogue. I mean, totally. And she did at least a dozen times. Yeah, and took over the whole ship and, yeah. like, yeah. But and this like, dude is third in charge? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And there's, like, a thousand people on board that are, like, whose lives are in his hands. Wow. Anyway. His cold... Cold, Unfeeling robot hands. hands. Yeah. <laughs> so we actually skipped over two people who hold higher rank than oh, Data. Okay, so I was but, wrong. Well, no, you're right because Data is considered second officer in the command structure. Oh, okay. But there are two people who hold higher rank than Data. Can you think of one? Spock? <laughs> oh, no, Spock is oh. original cast. Oh, he's, oh, he's not, oh. Spock did appear in Next Generation as an Gosh. ambassador, but he's not part of the main cast. Well, then I might be out. All right. <laughs> Benji, to be honest, I, uh, I, no? I feel like there's like four lieutenant commanders, aren't there? Isn't like, uh, my guess would be Jordy. There are three people who hold the rank of commander, shockingly. So who's the chief medical officer Starbuck? on the Enterprise? <laughs> Beverly Crusher. Okay, so Crusher holds the rank of commander. Okay. Dr. Crusher is the chief medical officer. Her husband died under Picard's command on a previous starship. So they've got this weird relationship of her husband died under his command, but they've got this weird will-they-won't-they romance thing brewing. So, Benj, who holds – who is the other person who holds the rank of commander? Shockingly, against all reason and logic. Is it Troy? It is Counselor Troy. Yeah. Because she gets a big chair. Yeah, She's she's the psychiatrist on the ship. She's basically part of the medical team. She has a very important job, but for her to be a commander and qualified to basically command the starship in the absence of other staff members, that's insane to me. <laughs> Especially when like most of what she does for the whole series is just like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. I feel like something's wrong. Mm. And like I don't know what her qualifications are. Yeah. Do you know anything about Counselor Troy? No, but it sounds like I'm trying to remember the movie we saw recently. It was like a cop drama where there's like a therapist that's like, he's not ready. Lethal Weapon. Was it Lethal Weapon? Yeah. It sounds like a weird Not like, quite the The interesting thing about Troy is she's an alien mix. She's human and beta zed. Beta Zeds can read minds. So she doesn't have all of the powers of, of a beta zed, but she can sense emotions. She can know when people are there. She knows when people are lying. So okay. she can sense emotions. Is lying an emotion? Well, I was just listing. Just it's, that there are many things she can do. Beta is a B, and <laughs> Zed is she's a Beezy. Okay, <laughs> that fucking Beezy. <laughs> All right, and then there are two other very important crew members who hold the same rank. Who have we missed, Ash? I think everyone else I'm gonna know is gonna be from the original. From the original. Because I know the they're Scotty, right? Original. Okay. So original. Scotty's original cast. Yeah. Who has the same job as Scotty on Next Generation? Benj? Is it going to me? Okay. It's going to you. That's Jordy. Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge is the engineer. He basically runs the engines. Okay. 
he's the blind guy. He has that weird thing on his face. He's blind? He's blind, but he has an oh, electronic prosthetic. Oh, he's got the strippy thingy. Right. Oh, yeah. He's also the most human person. He's the guy that I identify with. He's the guy I want to be. He's so like the, guy the normal human you, guy. You can't see his eyes. The guy who you can't see his eyes is the one that you have the best connection with. Well, I wouldn't define him as the guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait. he's more than just a visor, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, normally... Just he sounds like a robot. Is all I'm saying. No, no, no. no, no. His character is yeah. very much not a robot. Okay, I can see how you might think that based on his like character design, but yeah. But they went they went out of their way to make it not prosthetic eyes, but like a thing, like oh, yeah. a video camera that just like beams the image into your brain. Because I remember when I was a little kid, the Exploratorium had glasses like that. Mm. And it, except they let you see prisms in light. Yeah, he's kind of got like predator vision, doesn't he? Yeah, he does not see like normal people. And this little nugget I've always liked, he's basically in pain all the time from this. Huh. Oh. Like he's learned to adapt to 24-7 headaches. Wait, so did like something happen to his eyes? He was born blind. Oh. Yeah. There was this awesome episode where LaForge gets trapped on a planet with a Romulan soldier. Do you remember this oh, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Romulan figures out that he's blind and he says, your parents let you live? Oh my God. <laughs> that says so much about what Romulans are all about. Yeah, they're dicks. <laughs> <laughs> so the last person we should be aware of, I want to talk about just a little bit to put in context, particularly for this movie, is of course Worf, yeah. the Klingon guy. You've seen okay. him, Ash. Maybe. You know what a Klingon looks like. Maybe. Big spiny foreheads. Okay. They were the main bad guy in the original series. Yeah, I've definitely heard of Klingon. Okay. So he was the chief of security on the Enterprise. Then he was transit. Uh, he was. Then he was a transvestite <laughs> Klingon. He was, oh, that's a, <laughs> a weird thought about Worf. <laughs> so Worf, after awesome. Star Trek Generations, was transferred to a space station, Deep Space Nine. You've probably heard about. Yeah. As a was it um, tactical operations officer, but he also has at his disposal. He often commands. This super badass, undestroyable Federation ship. Okay. So Did that's they like call it the Titanic. It's called the <laughs> Defiant, the and Defiant that's basically Island. Worf's ship now. As we're going into this movie. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to hit you with one last little kind of trivia question before we get on to actually watching this movie. All right. And I'm curious where you go with this, Ash. A starship can move through space with three different methods of propulsion. Okay. Do you know in the, the Star Trek in the Star universe? Trek universe? Yes. Or in the, the the theory of science. We're not talking about real science. We're talking oh. about Star Trek. Yeah. Because the gadgets, we could talk so long about gadgets. Yeah. Tricorders and transporters and all sorts of stuff. But I want to talk about propulsion. Okay. How does a spaceship move in Star Trek? Movie magic. She's <laughs> no. not wrong. Uh I, well, t pulling on what I remember from Galaxy Quest, <laughs> there's some sort of central core thing that gives it power to move. Yeah, that's surprisingly accurate. Wow, yeah. Thank you, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> so a starship needs to move faster than light. So right. the main method of propulsion is, Sam? The warp core. Okay, warp engines. So okay, a, warp a, engine. they can go warp speed. They can go right. faster than light. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, this is the thing that basically makes Star Trek possible. If a ship can't move at warp speed, they ain't going anywhere. They ain't exploring anything. Right. It's probably the most important piece of gadgetry science, I think, in Star Trek. And it's not based on real science or real theory of science. Well, what's or- super fun is there are scientists theorizing not warp drive, but something kind of similar. Because I've heard this thing recently. where you move space around you. Like you hold still and you mm, that's not, warp space around you to that's move. That's probably more Battlestar. Yeah, okay. that's Battlestar. That's Battlestar, yeah. okay. This is, imagine if you could create a bubble of low air pressure. Okay. You would be squeezed out of that bubble because the higher air pressure around you would squeeze that bubble and you get squished out. Okay. So a warp bubble forms a low pressure in space that squeezes the ship and pushes it really fast. <laughs> like basically gives birth to the ship. Yeah. <laughs> it boils space around them. Uh, Benj, can you think, or, or Sam, uh, Brett, can you think of the other methods of propulsion? So, I mean, it's, it's, there's the, the warp drive, but is that different from the impulse engines? That would be the next one. Okay. Impulse. Um, I can see this look in Benj's eyes that he's just, he knows all the answers. I, I don't. I do oh, not really? know the third oh. one. The really? Impulse was my second guess. Okay. Yeah, impulse is just basically we need to move around a solar system. It's incredibly fast, but it's not faster than light. Oh, okay. And then there's basic just maneuvering thrusters. You know, oh. you need to change your orbital depth or whatever. You're just kind of There's the no ludicrous speed. <laughs> that would be warp nine. There should be. I think impulse falls into the maneuvering <laughs> category. Sure, but their thrusters are also there. That's like the just small little course correction-y type stuff. So is that your three? I feel That's like you're three. forgetting two. More. Okay. Oh. Uh, number one, th- the actual most important invention in the Star Trek universe, uh, transporter technology. Okay. Uh, they use that solely as, well, not solely, but mainly as transportation, but also to make all of their shit and food and, and gear whenever they need to repair the ship. Uh, but it moves people from place to place. Or it kills them and disassembles them and reassembles them <laughs> elsewhere. Or uh, it clones them. You know, yeah. It's whatever the plot needs it to do. Really. Yeah. Um, it holds Picard in the pattern buffer in one episode and then can never do that again because it's impossible. Whatever. It cloned uh, Riker into two it, people. Yeah. Um, oh, it, it kept Scotty young for like 80 yes, it years. Yeah. It morphed two people together into one weird new person in Voyager. Are we talking yeah. about Tubix? Yes! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it made Picard and Roe and Guinan into two children yeah yep. <laughs> oh yeah that was a surprisingly good episode too wow. transporter technology is not up to snuff in any of the uh, star treks wow like, also the holodeck is the oh, thing yeah. that always breaks do you know about the holodeck ash no it's i've a, heard the words though okay it's As a room they came you, out of your mouth. No, <laughs> a room you go into and it can project any environment with okay. holograms that actually have solid mass to them. It's like a real life version of the imagination room in Community. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. yeah, that was a Star Trek. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. Was it really? Yeah, oh, these and things it, I don't get. They did, like, the because they did the yellow grid on the walls. Yeah, the grid is directly from Star Trek. Oh wow! And it always breaks down, and then like you've got Moriarty controlling the Enterprise. Such a There's, good like, episode. Moriarty. Oh yeah. From 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 Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, yeah. yeah. Because Data plays Sherlock Holmes books in the holodeck. Oh yeah. what? And then it was fucking who was it? It was Riker 
I think, who was just like, computer, make, make a make a program that can defeat data. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and the, good and job, the, idiot. The computer just did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that shit's ridiculous. Um, and then and then you're also forgetting wormholes. And also oh. while you're on, yeah, wormholes but are that's important. that's not a technology, right? But it's they use it to move around. Right. Yeah. And oh, that that does have more space, of an actual yeah. foundation in real science. But there is this idea of the um, was it the transwarp conduit mm-hmm. that the Borg had that would make them move just ridiculous amounts of distances. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that on the books as well. They made it out to the Alpha Quadrant. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Sam! What am I gonna do? <laughs> so let's get into watching the movie. Um, just to mention, our guest stars are James Cromwell, who has appeared in a lot of Star Trek. They do this thing where they reuse actors a lot. Alice Krieger, who, have you guys been watching the OA? Yeah, I watched it. Okay. So the mother from the OA oh. is Alice Krieger. She's wow. in this. Um, and then Alfre Woodard. Um, you know, she was most recently in Luke Cage as Black Mariah. Um, she's in a series of unfortunate events. She's Aunt Josephine. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was great. Yeah. yeah. And I think she's fantastic in this movie. Um, so what are we expecting, Ash? What what do you expect to get out of this? <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I'm very excited because I've been wanting to get into Star Trek, so I'm excited to to check it out. Um, I'm just expecting I'm expecting that I'll really like it because I love stuff like Battlestar Galactica and you know sci-fi space stuff is totally right up my alley and i don't know why i never got into star trek i guess because my dad was a star wars fan and not star trek so there's also i think you were saying before there's so much content yeah where's the entry point it's like a commitment you're like fuck where do i start (laughs) and there's a lot of seasons yeah each series and i've definitely seen i mean i've seen a couple of the william shatner episodes um but and the, those weren't really ever enough to like hook me. So, but I was always like, do I need to see those? Do I not? I don't know. We'll find out. I'll find out if I'm completely lost when I watch this movie or not. Yeah, if I've done my job, I've given you the context. Thank you. you. Need. I appreciate that. And yeah. <laughs> so, what do you expect, Sam? Um, I'm super excited because I love Next Gen and I love Star Trek, and we're totally watching it every night. So I'm expecting to have a ton of fun. I'm expecting Ash to be very confused. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I hope not. I will say that, so I feel like other sci-fi stuff is more focused on like traditional character-y type drama and they Mm -hmm. have like weird romance and relational things. And Star Trek, for me, what I like about it is that it's a lot about the science and very like um, theoretical of like how life could be. Mm. Like very future forward and that's what I enjoy. It's like this great utopia where we're not worried about basic problems. These are like new things that people have never encountered before. And it's really That's cool. such an important point that yeah. that Star Trek was Roddenberry's vision of what the future should be. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sci-fi where it's shooting aliens and right. this has always been the optimistic and discovery mm-hmm. and what our culture should try to achieve. Okay. Totally. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. And the movies don't always hit that mark. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Brett, what do you expect? So I remember as as a child that I wanted to see this movie and never got to see it. Um <clears throat> I act yeah, I haven't seen this. 
Data's in it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not willing <laughs> so to data. bet that it's going to happen, but when uh, if the data moment happens, I will scream out loud, "Data moment." <laughs> okay? And we will have a conversation about it on the second half. Because uh, I fully expect that to happen at some point where it might not be like the f- resolution to the whole movie, but there will be a moment where everyone would die or like not be able to progress with the plot unless Data does something. Okay. So, of course, I'm super Star Trek fan. Um, and and so I've been going back and watching recently. So I've just finished Next Generation. I'm watching Deep Space Nine. And I just watched Generations. So I'm actually right at the point in the chronology where this is my next thing to watch. Wow. Um, how convenient. And, yeah, how convenient. And this wasn't <laughs> even my idea to watch this movie. Um, and I, I, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I don't want to say too much because I kind of know what's up. But I think I expect to enjoy it. What do you expect, Benj? I saw this movie opening night and oh, wow. loved it so much because it was like, I loved Star Trek Next Generation. And this was like, like you said, they kind of like hit the reset button at the end of every episode. And I loved this movie because they just broke so much stuff. And it was just like, there's more money being thrown at the story. And I loved the Borg. I was my favorite villain. So I remember being like, this is a top shelf, badass action movie that I could see at my, you know, because it was PG-13. <laughs> it was like the most hardcore thing I had seen at the time. How so it'll be you... interesting to see. I, like, I have not, I, I think I wore out the VHS that I owned of this, and I haven't seen it since, so. How did you feel about Generations, the movie that came before this? I enjoyed it at the time, but it felt like a more expensive episode, and it was a little yeah. wonky in its storytelling. And this is very straightforward and... A lot more action involved. And it, it makes, if memory serves, it makes a lot better use of the crew because Generations was all about Picard and Shatner. Yeah. I'm curious. What's his real name? <laughs> Kirk. Oh, Kirk. Kirk yeah. Yes, yes. I'm curious to know, since you saw this on opening night, did you see any of the new ones on opening night? Um, I don't, no, I don't or think Or in I, theaters at all? Uh, yeah, no, I yeah. saw all of them in the theater, but maybe not opening night. Because I guess I'm curious from your perspective of like how different is the crowd that these movies are attracting nowadays? Because it it's, has to be very different, right? Because people like me who never saw Star Trek was like, oh, I'm going to see this movie. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a, there is a, as a wider audience for the, the Kelvin the universe, ones. the JJ movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of like hardcore people that refuse to accept it. Mm. I am also a huge Star Wars fan, so I'm kind of okay with some of the yeah. shifts that they made. And honestly, like the, like Star Trek Beyond, I think was a lot more true to the original TV series than even the JJ movies before that. But that is like a personal preference that is not necessarily that popular within Star Trek fandom. So to Trekkies, <laughs> is the new Star Trek movies basically like the old, newer Star Wars movies where some some Trekkies are like... If you gave Sherlock Holmes uh, a gun and he solved all of the crimes by shooting everyone he thought was a a, a criminal instead of actually detecting, that's kind of the difference. You're not caught up, are you? (laughs) Anyway. You know what I mean. (laughs) Uh, In that, it's very entertaining, uh, but I don't think it's popular for the reasons that Star Trek was popular right i'm just curious if it's like this black like you know there's people who are hardcore star wars fans that are like episode one through three just don't exist you know i think there's conflicting opinions Mm -hmm. certainly i i think these are 
the Kelvin universe is intentionally more accessible to a broader audience. Yeah. And those of us who accept that really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're thoroughly entertaining. It's just not a yeah. lot of... Oh, I mean, I the, like it. Is there's a not a lot, lot less philosophical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's tonally Which different. is an issue that happens in the movies. Like, they, they tend to be more action-y, and they don't have that philosophical discovery element. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first Star Trek film did have that, and people took a dump on it because it was too <laughs> slow. If you didn't like 2001, you wouldn't like the first Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that mm-hmm. slow burn again. But yeah, the Kelvin is much more action-y. And if you embrace that, I think it's it's good. All right, so we're going to rewatch Star Trek First Contact. Uh, it is no longer available on Netflix in the U.S. It was recently, but you can get it on the Google Play Store or iTunes. Uh, so you might want to check it out and join us after the movie. So we just rewatched Star Trek First Contact. So Ash, do you like Star Trek now? I do, actually. I really enjoyed it. I will say. Even though, you know, there was Miss Galaxy and Stoner Robot, it was still... (laughs) Miss Galaxy being your response to Worf's sash. Yes. Yeah. His pretty sash. And who was the stoned robot? That's Data. His <laughs> eyes were red. Is it just me? <laughs> he looked like he was stoned the whole time. He only speaks in the Data cadence when he's high. <laughs> yeah. Captain, save me. <laughs> like, totally. <laughs> so I think there's there's two types of Star Trek movies. There's like the cerebral exploration. Mm-hmm. And then there's just the action stuff. And I think this was action. Yeah. And it's cool that you like it, but I can't say it's representative of Star Trek. See, that's you know? interesting that you say that because I didn't find it a very action-y movie. But maybe that's just because today's standards of action, like this wasn't. Then you have not seen Star Trek the motion picture. <laughs> if you want to talk about not action. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of action in this comparatively to, to, to Next Generation, the uh. series. Uh, I one of my favorite things that I, that I bring up a lot about Next Gen is like the only time anyone ever does like a physical thing in the whole series is the very first episode when Worf jumps over the console. Oh yeah, and then no one ever like fucking even runs for like <laughs> seven that, seasons. That bugs me. Like <laughs> emergencies, invasions, ships blowing up, they walk calmly down the hallway every time. <laughs> the other thing that bugs me is Klingons are built up as like king badasses of the galaxy. Riker can take down four of them by hand. Like I've probably seen Troy fight a Klingon. Like <laughs> I, I, it, whenever there's crowds of Klingons, it's just humans mowing through them. It's it's just wrong. <laughs> well, and, and Worf gets his ass handed to him a lot, but it's always to introduce a new bad guy. It's like, oh, they're so powerful. They took out Worf. It's like, mm. everybody takes out Worf. <laughs> but Worf did have his moment. You know, he had that knife kind of tucked away. He had some yeah. great moments in this movie. I he mean, chopped apart a Borg. <laughs> That's and, a pretty ballsy move, hiding a knife in your fucking spacesuit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very risky. <laughs> but he and pulled it off. Closing a leak on his suit with the severed arm that he just cut off. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, like, literally, like the veins with of the corpse board. of his enemies. <laughs> yes. Brutal. But, you know, that, 
I don't know. It's it was probably not so significant for you, Ash. Probably more significant for you, Benj. But the that moment where Picard calls Worf a coward. If you are any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Says so much about their relationship and their history, and that was such a powerful scene. One of the most powerful scenes in all of Star Trek. Knowing those characters. Yeah, definitely. Like that's. I mean, this is the the wildest that you ever see Picard get as far as like not controlling his temper. Yeah, and one of I think aside from uh, uh, Ben reminding me of the supercut of Picard telling Worf no a thousand times. <laughs> uh, Check that out on YouTube. <laughs> uh, it's one of the few times like anyone says anything mean to Worf because you don't fucking yeah. do that. And and also that's that's not a hollow statement. If it were any other man he literally would kill him right there but because of who picard is and what he's done for war for the klingon empire like he's one of the few people he actually respects and yeah that's huge if you like those characters (laughs) i thought this held up pretty well like this is about like what i remember about it it still has like some very silly plotting like as the the how easily they just brush over the time travel. And, yeah. And granted, they've done it a few times, but even on the show, it seemed like it was a really big deal. It's like, we're going back in time. Don't mess anything up. <laughs> yeah. And, and not just them, but the girl that they bring up, Lily from Earth. Yeah. He's like, she's freaked out at seeing Earth from space. But then later he's like, this is a hollow deck and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. so quickly. I can kind of make peace with a character in the movie. Like we need to move things on. But like the dogs were running around in the beginning of the movie. I'm like. Did everybody see what just happened? Like, I didn't even know if you guys knew that they had just traveled back in time. Oh, no. Because it was so fast. I didn't until Benj said something about it. Oh, yeah. Like, how did we travel back in time? I elbowed you and said, they're going back in time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he said a temporal disturbance in Star Trek Fink. Yeah. They were caught in the temporal wake. But, you know, I thought they didn't actually say tachyons, which are always the thing that they talk about when they time travel. There's always tachyons. So were they time boarding on the wake? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Well, and they took a very like cavalier Doctor Who-ish sort of like, hey, we're going to meet our our heroes. We're going to tell them all about it. And they're going to be cool with it. And uh, Uh, we're going to make it happen, actually. Yeah, Yeah. this isn't like aliens messed up the timeline. We're going to fix it. And yeah, and we have no problem just giving you all sorts of exposition that you may or may not need. It's really more for the folks at home. <laughs> and are we went, meant to believe that all of the people who were working on that project are now dead? Like there should have been two other people in the ship with Cochran. And yeah. suddenly Troy is, you know, <laughs> running the whole thing. So, yeah. And Lily probably should have been on that craft, right? As his assistant. I don't know. Like I don't know. We they don't know. kind of okay, implied maybe. like the history of it is that Cochran did it solo, which matches up with Why were there three seats? Well, but <laughs> having studied the Mercury and the Apollo program, like you don't put seats in that thing you no, don't need. But like, th- I think that's that's how they justified it. it that's how they justified it is because uh, it was always uh, Jordy and, and Riker, uh, and they just ghosted after. That's the only one that got written down in history books is, is Cochrane. Yeah, yeah. Who cares about the other people? Yeah, because there is that small settlement, settlement, but they all seem like a bunch of drunks. They don't ever do any real work <laughs> yeah. on the project. Yeah. They're the people who are hired to do the grunt work of building the missile. It's mm. people who seem to not even be aware that it was yeah. there because when it's taking <laughs> off, they're like, what? So, oh, there's a rocket under there? Oh, look at that. 
who who knows what the official data moment was? There were a few. Uh, <laughs> well, the, I would argue that you know if you're if you're saying the data moment is him saving the day, I would say it was the moment he broke the gas thing and the gas stuff came out. But anyone could have done that. Yeah. The th- but not survived. Completely true. Yeah. yeah. What you That's just said, the Ben. The surviving yeah. Yeah. is important, I suppose. <laughs> Sometimes you need a robot to go do well, that grunt work. Anybody else would have been assimilated completely, right? But because he was a robot, he yeah. wasn't. That so. too. When he jumped down the missile silo. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking creeper. Oh my God. He was falling for so long. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one I, I call out as the the thing that allowed the entire rest of the movie to happen is his uh, out-programming the Borg and putting a the encryption key on whatever McGuffany system he was locking up. Oh, yeah. uh, and it was yeah. just like, yeah, I've encrypted it and some shit and the Borg will never figure that out. Like, and that was the whole plot of the rest of the movie was the Borg trying to unlock that shit. That's that true. doesn't bother me. Cause if you look at encryption on like just file encryption on a computer, hackers know how encryption works. They just don't have the key. Oh yeah, so well, but nobody could have encrypted all the systems or what? Like his that is hyper-typing. the data moment. Like that, that was is the data moment. Only data oh, could yeah. have done in, that. In yeah. the amount of time yeah. they had, either data did it or everyone on the ship died. Then can yeah. we talk about his fast finger movements? <laughs> <laughs> that's not the first time that's happened that in the show. Is some interesting. <laughs> he is fully functional. Yeah, fully. <laughs> <laughs> did I not call that shit? I was like, they are gonna oh, bone. That down. was a fantastic callback, though. I'm glad you saw that. <laughs> Explain. Yeah. That well, his fully functional line is from the la- the last time that happened with with oh, uh, really? with Yar. And yeah, she's Back like in season 1. Yeah, and they were like I'm not mistaken. Uh they got some sort of like flu bug that made everybody super horny on the ship and uh <laughs> yeah, like, and Yar was like like data like uh, you know, come come over here and do the sex and he was like <laughs> I don't know about that. She's like you are uh, capable, right? And he's like, I am fully functional. And like, <laughs> he's like, whoa. Yeah. So seeing it again was disturbing, uh, but funny. Yeah. There was a lot more body horror in the stuff in this movie and just like, like torture porny, like mm. grabbing yeah. people and jamming like things into their eyes <laughs> and necks and things. Lots yeah. of jamming. <laughs> it's like, this bitch is their dead. <laughs> Freezing. <laughs> Do you- you guys are watching Voyager. You remember the yes. Vidians? Yeah. yeah. So I just got around to that stuff, and I'd forgotten, like, as far as, like, body horror, these are the aliens that have their entire species inf- infected by a disease. Oh, So they yeah. will just transport organs out of you and steal your organs. And they, oh, they, and they wear a guy's They're face, so like, horror- the first time you yeah, see him, right? All of their skin is grafted from, like, 12 different people. Mm-hmm. Those those fuckers are scary. They're, yeah. like, Silence yeah. of the Lamb horror People? Yeah, it's like a yeah. whole race of Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Skin yeah. suits. Yeah. <laughs> With a device that can scan you, transport your organs out, and put them in a jar in like one move. Bloop. And their technology was, I think they presented it as like way better than the Federation's. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. like if they wanted to come and take over, you couldn't stop them. Yeah. Yeah, that is some body horror in, in Star Trek every now and then. Is body horror a common term? It's like a thing I've seen a lot lately where... Body yeah, horror. it's like it's like uh, like David Cronenberg stuff, just like just gore. What, yeah, what if your limbs fell off, or what if uh, I, I don't know? What's the what? What is a proper definition of it's, body horror? It's anything that is, is distorting the body in a way that is, is unnatural. Yeah, mm. 
Yeah, like peeling your skin off or something like yeah. that. Or, or There's a lot of that. In, one in of this. our red Twitter friends uh, just applies it to the thought of pregnancy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Body horror, no thanks. That just after continues when it comes out of yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, after my experience this Christmas, I don't deny that. No. I've seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, everything Vicky told you came into crystal clear focus. So it's interesting you talk about the data moment. Can you tell me which was the Troy moment? When she got which drunk. Which one was Troy? Uh, Good point. Like, that's a problem, I yeah. think. Like, it's tough to write around seven characters, but she might as well have not been in the movie. This was, this was uh, yeah, it's just like, I, somebody was like, I'm done with Troy. She gets yeah. drunk in the first scene, and then she and counts them out. down later for yeah. launch. And that's yeah. like it. Yeah. And they they're like, "Wait, wait, hold on!" And she's her. like, three, two, and they're like, "Whoa, we gotta wait." <laughs> she's yeah. just still. Uh, she did have the one moment where she got. I, actually, there was like an important scene where she met Zephram Cochran, and we don't get to see any of that. She yeah, just sort yeah. of drunkenly recaps what happened earlier. Yeah. yeah, it's like we completely miss their meet cute. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounded like it would have been an interesting uh, scene. Yeah. And then what the guy, so I'm curious from a perspective of somebody who doesn't know much about Star Trek, there was the guy who, I don't know his name, but he was like too beautiful to be a man, but he became yeah. one of the people and then Picard like killed him or, and threw <laughs> him off into space. You mean and I got the feeling. Neil McDonough. Yeah, I got the feeling from this movie that he was like, an established character, which I think they is a, I think that was intentional. He was a nice mystery. Oh. The first time we've ever they seen do him. Gotcha. So as you watch Star Trek more, this is a thing they do all the time. Oh, they introduce someone uh, to kill them off. Yeah, and it's maybe not every episode, uh, but like we just finished an arc in Voyager where it's just like there's a new person in engineering. Who is this fucking guy? I hate this guy. And like, and then he dies. Yeah, like so a couple episodes later, he's a villain, and it's just like. <laughs> But Neil McDonough is an awesome choice because you've seen him in some stuff. You may not completely remember him. Okay. He looks like an action star. He looks like he belongs in that crew. I was thinking mm -hmm. he looked a lot like, um, I forget his name, but the guy that they have playing Kirk in the new. He yeah. does. He does. Yeah. Yeah, Young yeah. McDonough looks like Chris Pine. Yeah. Did you, I, the first, this is the first time I've noticed him smoldering in the background of all the scenes he's Dude, in. Dude, yeah. he is. And that's the reason why I thought he was like a, an established character because he's, he's like so always in the there, back there like... Well, that's the, it's, that was you funny because like, I had the a complete opposite thought in that opening scene where it's just like, okay, like it's the crew of the Enterprise. And then this new guy. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that Next, genera Next Generation episode where somehow all of their memories were erased? They didn't know who they are or what the fuck they were doing. Mm -hmm. And there was this other guy on the bridge. And they're like, who are we? Mr. Yeah. Mr. Poopy Butthole. I was going to say. Yeah, Mr. Poopy Butthole. He's like, yeah, who are we? And it was, that was fucking creepy because we, the audience, knew that guy didn't belong. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> and didn't losing their memories make them super horny as well? Like, wasn't that a thing? Like, Riker and Roe hooked up. Riker and Roe hooked up, yeah. Yeah, because, like, why not? I don't know. I don't know who you are. We probably do this. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a lot of sex in Star Trek, huh? Every now and then. Okay. So, okay, there's no Troy moment. I believe there is a Dr. Crusher moment, mm -hmm. but Alfre Woodard swooped in and, and took the scene. 
that whole Ahab scene, that should have been Dr. Crusher. And she kind of gives her the baton, too. She's like, oh, well, uh, you're the guest star. You want you want to take this scene? Yeah. It's like, oh, we can't reason with him. He's the captain. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that really should have been Crusher's scene. Do you feel that the character of Captain Picard is consistent in the movies as the, the same in the TV show? I think that's a very common complaint. He becomes an action star. Yeah, in he's real season Kirk five up. or six. Kirk Dump. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like that, that end thing where he's like swinging from the ropes and yes. he becomes like Captain Jean-Luc Picard body. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like you said from the beginning, you called how he just slowly slipped. Yeah, uh, strip teases. Yeah, he's yeah. in like the big overcoat. Then he gets back to the ship. And he's just in the regular uniform. Then he's in the vest. <laughs> then he's just like a red slowly shirt. unzipping and then for the rest the of the movie. Zipper's working its way down <laughs> for the rest of the movie. And then he's in a tank top. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because in Galaxy Quest, the gag yeah. is with Sigourney Weaver doing that. Her yeah, her uniform like down. slowly yeah. coming off. Yeah. But also, there's the Tim Allen managed to get his shirt off. Right. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I even noticed that. Uh, Hawk, uh, Neil McDonough, like he had his zipper going down, showing off the chest a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I thought Worf oh, so, was going to be like, so hot on the uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Worf should have taken issue. Yeah. 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 It's not up to code. I love how you, you told me beforehand that Adam Scott was in this movie. And I don't think I would have known if you hadn't told me. I didn't even see him. Because he's in there so quick and the lighting is so dark. He's like in Worf's ship. When they're being oh. attacked. Okay. I missed yeah. it. Yeah. Because well, if you watch Deep Space Nine, you get used to Worf in that chair with Deep Space Nine characters around him. And then yeah. it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe Adam Scott. Yeah. He's been in some <laughs> maybe, stuff. Yeah. Maybe someone else. Pre-Step Brothers. Adam well, did Scott. his, did I miss it? Or like, did his ship get blown up too? What it was happened to his ship? another one of ship? those like super brief lines. He says, the Defiance adrift, but salvageable. And Worf's like, okay, I'm on your crew now. Oh. That's all that happened. Like, you okay. beamed out all my stuff, too, right? Like, yeah, 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 we got it. And somebody said, like, n- noted that Worf little... is on the ship, so whoever else was in that position is now demoted. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, we could use a hand at tactical. It's like, well, you've got a guy who's been building a career for the past two years at that tactical station. Yeah, and that guy has been hearing for two years how much more they love Worf yeah. over him. That's <laughs> okay. How... He got assimilated. <laughs> yeah. Just, just out of frame, there's some guy like... Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like what? What the hell, guys? <laughs> also, you know, where's Dax and O'Brien? Like, why are they exactly. not on the Defiant during this mission? Mm. It's just Worf and a bunch uh, of red shirts, basically. Unknown. <laughs> See, yeah, I was wondering if like his whole ship got exploded and then he just gets a whole new ship in the future with these people that you're talking no, I, about. That would have been a problem for Deep Space Nine yeah. if the Defiant were just gone one day. It's it's the what what happened after the, the cutaway in that scene when, when they rescued Worf is he's like, it's a good day to die. And then they're like, the Enterprise is here. He's like, uh, for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Scott's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you guys want to play Cones of Duncher? <laughs> We got like 25 minutes, probably. <laughs> um, can we talk about the uh, titular line? Oh. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so, at one point, when the crew is explaining who they are to Zephram Cochran, he says, so you're all on some kind of... Star Trek? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There should uh, be a requirement where you have to like turn to the camera when you yeah. deliver that line. And like wink. <laughs> it's like, hello, my name is 
Forrest Gump. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, that's what happened. And they had to shoot that like 50 times because he he just wouldn't stop saying it like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like a family guy moment. Like, why are you saying it like that? Like what? Star Trek. And it's like, stop it. It's I, a joke, right? No. <laughs> I think there is a supercut online of when people say the title of the movie in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you can search for that on YouTube. It's Probably. But he doesn't quite save it by saying on some kind of, because, Will Smith does the same thing in Suicide Squad. He's like, are we some kind of Suicide Squad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't like- save it. <laughs> it's still really awkward. Yeah. It would have been great if it was like, today is some kind of Independence Day. <laughs> 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 like we're fighting some kind of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're a bunch this, of sto- a soldiers and some sort of Star Wars? <laughs> What are you, the last samurai? (laughs) (laughs) I was, uh, I think Benji and I were both kind of sitting here very excited to see what the reaction would be when (laughs) Crusher activates the emergency medical hologram. Yeah, I was so excited. I was like, EMH, EMH, no. What is that? (laughs) I was like, I know what that stands for. And I was like, yes, it's him. How does a hologram run into a wall, though? Oh, <laughs> he, like, there's things. Okay. They're, I mean, they have solid mass oh. when they're being projected. Okay. You know, there's this great scene on Voyager where the doctor is explaining that whole thing and he slaps a guy and the guy's like pissed off. And then he turns around and he hits a couple buttons on a panel. And he says, Now you slap me. And the guy, his hand goes right through him because <laughs> the doctor can control when he's solid or not. That's awesome. Yeah, but the doctor cannot exist out of sick bay. Is that are those uh, in ones? season one and two? You are correct. Yeah. Okay. yeah, but you guys are on season three. Season three and s- some jerk has a technology from five hundred years in the future that they that they steal and break the prime directive just so that they can have the doctor walk around on the eh, ship. That's not yeah. just. Pretty much. That's the only thing they, they took. Do they hand him a, a vacuum? They're like, your new name is Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as I complain about data, I've got so much more to complain about the emergency medical hologram. No, For, don't, don't touch hear, this. I want to no. hear it. Well, it's by nature a simulated person to step in when the doctor is decapacitated. Mm. Just like the characters in the, in the Dixon Hill novel are simulating people. But then Kess walks onto the ship and says, you're a real person and people should respect you. And people buy into that bullshit. It's a simulation. (laughs) There's absolutely no reason to give it a sense of self, to give it any autonomy. It's just a hologram. I'm a little more on your side with that one than with with Data. Uh, Because even in Voyager, like the doctor kills a dude like murders them and, and they're like mm-hmm. oh but you're like but your program was weird it's cool like we fixed yeah, the program speaking like, of I don't this, remember speaking that speaking of this episode it's a fucking Westworld episode the doctor the doctor becomes like, self-aware and kills people yes he becomes well he's self-aware already and he like tries to program more variants in he's, his character they let him alter uh, his own software yeah he alters his own code and fucks it up and becomes a murderer I mm. would propose that he has not become self-aware that just like any holodeck character, he's just simulating and responding to stimuli. 
This is an argument, Sam, that you're never going to win <laughs> with him. But Star Trek does love to have the episode where somebody goes nuts and sometimes they kill people. And yeah. then it's like, oh, but you just had that fever. So you're not. Actually yeah. 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 Liable well, for really clear that like it's the future. We don't kill people anymore as punishment. Uh, Unless we go crazy. Yeah. Temporarily. Well, yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> OK, so if people go and murder people, there's like no repercussions in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're a character we care about. But that never happened. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, there was that very heavy moment where Lily's saying, you're not coming with us. He's like, there's somebody on this ship I have to save. I'm like, oh, is it Ensign Lynch? Is it that guy? Like, <laughs> Why is there one person on this ship right now you need to save? But you were saying like, oh, if you see somebody, just kill them on sight. Yeah. Like those were the yeah. standing orders. Well, I like the, the, the moment before that when he's standing in the control room or whatever by himself. And then it's like, all of a sudden he's like, Oh my God, data. I totally forgot about him for the past yeah. like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, that guy. Does that third act go down to the basement to kill a queen and rescue somebody who's been captured? Remind you of any other iconic sci-fi films? Interesting. Cause, uh, <laughs> when I, when the movie came out, I remember reading some kind of, Oh, some kind of uh, interview with uh, Jonathan Frakes. He's like, yeah, I've been watching a lot of Alien and Aliens. Yeah. Okay. And then I was say years aliens. later, yeah. when I could rent it on my own, I saw Aliens like, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of like tubes hanging down. Mm-hmm. That's And that the whole like weird sexual tension between Data and her was totally reminding me of like when Sigourney Weiner, Weaver like fucks that alien. <laughs> Sorry, who? <laughs> Sorry, Sigourney Weiner fucked that dude. <laughs> Well, we don't know who inserted what. Wait a minute, which dude? No, the alien. In one of the alien movies, Sigourney Weaver fucks an alien. I haven't seen it. Oh, you, do you mean like the clone of Sigourney Weaver and yeah, Resurrection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a weird alien hybrid baby that like has uh-huh. people's skin on it. Yeah, yeah. and there's totally yeah. like a sex alien There was some scene. body horror. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of psychosexual stuff going on in that franchise. Fr- from the director who brought us Amelie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a Jean-Pierre Jeunet movie. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. Yeah. The French are strange. That guy is awesome. <laughs> but it opens with Picard having nightmares about the Borg, and right. then a bunch of people with a bunch of guns are going to go kick some ass, and they all get their asses handed to them, and then they're escaping at the end, and then he goes back into the bowels of the earth or the ship to go get Newt slash Data. Yeah. And just like all It'd these like great. He should have walked in. Points. Get away from him, you bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> May have been too on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, there was almost like this weird supernatural element there where mm-hmm. it's like he seemed to have like known the Borg were coming before he knew. And yeah. then he like you know, seem to have known that Data, like, needed his help or... It, he it goes in and out. One. It's yeah. a stretch. Yeah. You know, I guess we're meant to believe that he still has some connection to the Collective. Yeah. Which they That's explain later. They explain it later in Voyager. Mm-hmm. It happens. Do they? It happens again. And they're just like, yeah, basically, uh, once you're connected to the, the hive of mind, uh, you're connected forever until they cut you off. Kind of like mm. being so a cult. If, if they don't choose to cut you off, then you're, you can still hear them. Oh. oh, but it was like that. a distance thing. It was like, yes. and the reception now. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's you very got, much how they explain it in Voyage. Okay, you got five bars on the bridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, they are kind of a 
zombies, you know, or mm-hmm. or vampires in a way. Hmm. It's a or hornets. Oh yeah, Ash pointed yeah, out. There was a lot of conversation <laughs> about hornets. It really watching. felt like a hornet infestation where you're just like, you're like, okay, well, if we don't touch them, they won't attack us. But this is not a good situation. We really need to get that hive out of here and detach. <laughs> but we can't get too close because they'll fuck us up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a couple of like weird thoughts about the Borg in general, but maybe this is too deep into Star Trek for the, the podcast. Hey, you're the editor. <laughs> okay, so like they had these rifles and they shoot at the Borg in the beginning of the movie and then they then they figure it out and then the rifles stop working on the Borg. Why did they ever use them again? Like for the rest of the movie, they kept shooting at the Borg with the rifles. And weirdly, that kept working. Well, Brett, well, the thing said, with the rifles is they look really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't they give like a line in dialogue saying, I've randomized these to like yeah. 12 different types of shots. And then later when they went yeah. out to in their, in their suits to work on the dish, Worf said, I was able to squeeze a few more rotations out, but we only have one or two shots. Mm-hmm. But I, I think your point is valid. They need to think of different ways. And I think the holodeck scene is great. And I think Worf should have just carried a batlith the whole time, you know, because if he can just take down one with a knife, just carry the batlith. If yeah, I mean, if you just walk through the ship beheading all the Borg, there would have been no problem. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say no problem, but it would have been a more effective weapon. It's like were there any yeah. Vulcans on board? Because clearly those people have samurai swords, so. Like, Where have you seen do? a Vulcan with a samurai sword? I don't know. They were fucking wearing kimonos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely look like Jedi when they walked out yeah. of that ship. Oh, that's an interesting thought, though, because they, they have replicators so they can just kind of create whatever they need uh, at any time. And yeah. so why didn't they get some melee weapons and go Seems like bash some heads do. in? Because they couldn't get Molotov that cocktails. action-y. That was yeah. a little too much. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Worf did hack apart a guy on screen. Oh, man. Like, and it was the most effective way to fight them. I yeah. must have missed that part. I must have been. Worf killed a guy. <laughs> I must have been covered in dogs at the point yeah. when that When happened. they were out working on yeah. the dish. Oh. That's when did How did that. you even get that sword, Worf? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I was about to say, well, he's got like eight in his quarters, but. That ain't his ship. He don't yeah. got quarters on that ship. Oh, you oh, yeah. know when he left the ship, he's like, taking this guy yeah. and this. It was like a total Crocodile Dundee moment there. Now this is a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he replicated one. It's possible. What, one other Borg thought. Okay. Um, this is bigger than the movie for sure. Uh, does, the Borg queen, does the Borg queen ruin yes. the Borg? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The Borg queen is a horrible idea. <laughs> it's it's probably Jonathan Frakes watching Aliens. Mm-hmm. It makes for a good action movie, but it completely diffuses the entire point of the Borg. It's like mm-hmm. you've got a, an individuality running this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But they there are lots of her, right? Because Picard says, hey, you were on that original cube and that was destroyed. And she's like, oh, there's lots of us. She yeah, says, I got I think that she, feeling. Or it was a little more cryptic than that. Yeah, she yeah. said, you think three-dimensionally. Yeah, it's more complicated. Yeah, so I like. I, so she's more like a Cylon, where like it's like, oh, there's another one of me. Kind of. I mean, I don't know if like if she's truly an individual or if she's just the mouthpiece of the Borg, and there's a bunch of her, and there's one on every ship, maybe. Or it's a little. It's not clearly defined. It was clearly just something to motivate the action in this movie. 
that doesn't really work. Yeah. To give a clear bad guy. Because it's, it's yeah. hard to They need have. to put a face on the bad guy. Though I will say, I thought they were way scarier before they introduced her. Like, there's this one mm-hmm. shot where they, like, open the door to a hallway or something, and it's dark. And then you just see the little laser sights. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, that's kind of scary. You know, like, that's, that's a cool yeah. thing. And I feel like they could have made them really scary if they stuck to that sort of vibe. Totally. But as is uh, the standard in Hollywood, nothing is scarier than, than a, a woman, than a sexual woman, a woman in charge, <laughs> a sexual woman oh, in wow. charge. Yeah. Oh damn it, Brett! Why? <laughs> so end of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else. One criticism-ish thing that I have with this. Don't movie. you criticize Star Trek? This movie is perfect. No. What I'm are you talking about? Criticizing Star Trek. But compared to the TV show, there is a lot more like expositiony stuff to make their plot line make sense. There were several moments where I was like, wait, why are they able to do that? And Brett would be like, well, you didn't hear him say that line that the. And I'm like, oh, shit. There were a lot of one sentence lines that explained a lot. Yeah. Like, they said something like, oh, we analyzed the temporal wake and I know how to make it happen again and we can get home. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, that's a huge leap, you guys. Yeah, yeah. I, and maybe this is why I didn't feel like it was a super actiony film. Is to also go hand in hand with that is there's not a lot of besides the scenes where action is happening. There's not a lot of blocking or movement. It's a lot of people standing around and like explaining things to each other. <laughs> And I don't know if that's so, how Star Trek normally is. Yeah, I was going to yeah. assume that that was how it was. <laughs> but. I was about to say the opposite, which means you're right. Star Trek is very much like that. Mm-hmm. I would say that I'm very impressed with the direction here. Like, as far as somebody who grew up as a TV director, like, he was an actor on the show. He wanted to direct, to direct some episodes. Then they let them direct this movie. Like, when you look at the other Star Trek movies, I think this was really good direction. Mm-hmm. Compared to other Star Trek, yeah, movies. this is this was a good Star Trek movie, like, especially compared to like when we watched Generations. Like Generations just was very very dry, mm. you know. And that's I mean, but that's like the the whole mindset of Star Trek <laughs> is like everything <laughs> is dry. Like e- most of the most of the deepest like thought provoking moments come from either like Spock or, or or Data or or Tuvok, where they're just like. If you if you think about this, the answer is simple. And then the humans are just like, "How are you so deep, robot?" <laughs> like, <laughs> you understood us all along. <laughs> so I'll start with you, Binge. Like, how do you feel this stacks up in in the Star Trek movies? Oh, um, how many have there been? I think we're on eleven. Well, if this was eight, nine, ten, I think we're at thirteen if oh. you count Kelvin. Yeah. Okay. So wait, there were ten. Pre reboot, yeah. Are we at thirteen? Oh, I should know Something this. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta turn in my nerd card. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's shameful. Revoked. Um, I think this is the definitely the best of the next generation cast. I really like two and six. I still agreed. Uh, um, I do enjoy. I mean, three has its charms, and well, four is very silly, and there's no enterprise, which kind of is a strike against it. But three's it's charms fun. can be summarized with two words: 
Christopher Lloyd. Oh yeah, <laughs> like Christopher Lloyd's fantastic. Those are the charms of Star Trek Three. But I also just love the. I think that's the one where they steal the Enterprise, right? right. To go get. It's like the answer is no. I'm therefore going anyway. <laughs> that's kind of amazing. I mean, I, I don't know. They're, like that, the the first six are really damn charming, just because yeah. of William Shatner. Do you feel like we chose a good one to introduce Ash to Star Trek? Yeah, I feel like this is a good gateway Star Trek. Yeah, I feel like we also didn't talk about, you know, I, I definitely was entertained, but I was also really surprised at how well the special effects really held oh, yeah. up. This movie represented a big turn in the history of Star Trek movies. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I, I feel like even to today's standards, it held up pretty well. Yeah. You know, there's maybe some like prosthetics that weren't so great, but like the actual ships yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and some of the explosions, like, I don't know if you guys know, did they do models or, or is yeah, that CG? Yeah, I think CG was coming along, but they weren't quite confident, totally okay. confident in it to make everything CG. Right. So, like, a lot of model work. Okay. But, wow. Yeah, it's a good blend. I think Sam was saying that yeah. when we were watching it. Yeah, they really know, like, what will work well for their CG capabilities and kind of use it to its fullest potential. Mm-hmm. They do a good job Yeah, balancing that. But I'm I'm sad they redid the transporter effect. It's not the same. I mean, that's pretty normal from one movie to the next or one series to the next. Like the yeah. transporter in Voyager looks a lot like one of the original cast transporters, which looks very yeah. different from Next Generation. Yeah. They but just it, updated the software, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get attached, like Nick would say. So in with the movies, Brett and Sam, that you've seen, mm-hmm. you saw what? Two and generations. Yes. Two and seven. Yeah. And this would be eight. Mm-hmm. How does this compare to those? I think it's really good. It doesn't even feel like they're the same type of movie, though. Like, if you yeah. compare this to Wrath of Khan, like, very different feeling. Yeah. Wrath of Khan was, was like a submarine movie. Yes. Uh and they, it's this is a totally different vibe. And Rathacon was a great submarine movie, and this was a great, uh, it's not not quite an action movie. Yeah, it's like if you draw a line from Alien to Star Wars, it's mm-hmm. meandering along that line. But yeah. I think what this movie is is a great halfway point between where uh, uh, Star Trek is now in the movies and where the show used to be yeah like it's it's not quite philosophical it's not quite action but it's somewhere in the middle where like Mm -hmm. you had the super deep picard you know not being able to deal with his trauma and like him coming over overcoming that thing but then also chopping aliens to bits with a knife (laughs) 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 yeah i was i was gonna say i actually really i really liked that scene where he's like you know unable to let go of the ship so he's like, no, it's mine. And he breaks his like toy, as she kind of calls it, his what little What he ships. broke was the previous Enterprise oh, that okay. had been destroyed. Gotcha. And says extra stuff there. Yeah. And it just, I liked that moment of, you know, he has this like look of realization on his face that he's acting like a child. And Some it was really, really powerful. really good character yeah. stuff there. And mm-hmm. I mean, come on, Patrick Stewart, that dude is the master. He could talk to me all day, every day. <laughs> like if if you do go and watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, Ash, you're treating yourself to Patrick Stewart as an actor. Yeah, right. It's some of the stuff he does is amazing. Yeah, it's it's a really good series. Although it's fun watching it now, 
in in light of because I had seen Next Generation first and then moved on to the other Star Treks, and it's so not campy but almost campy because the crew of all of the enterprises has shit like so easy compared to (laughs) all of the like the lower class ships in the in the fleet (laughs) (laughs) and like the way they treat problems they're just like oh yeah it's not a problem and like every other show would be like oh my god this is huge we're all gonna die and like it takes something ridiculous like the borg to even be a problem for the enterprise crew that'll be great to see cisco spend a day on the enterprise (laughs) (laughs) Like, you people have it so easy on this ship, <laughs> you son of a bitches. Yeah, because uh, the Enterprise-D really feels like a cruise ship. It's like, if yeah. I had to live on a Star Trek ship, I would <laughs> take that over everything a hundred times, just because they just got these nice leather seats, and they've mm. got a holodeck, and everything's just really... Yeah, like you say, there's not a lot of big threats to the Enterprise-D. Yeah, I mean, sure, they were under attack, but did you see, like... The, the shitty station Worf was at it, it, in the battleship. Yeah. Like, that was look oh, yeah. like just dark and <laughs> depressing and shitty. Well, there's like no comforts at Deep Space Nine or the Defiant or hey, Voyager's pretty Voyager's comfy. A bit, yeah. They're away from their families, but they got it pretty <laughs> nice too. So, Ash, let's get your final thoughts on this. And I think we're all curious to know are you interested in watching more Star Trek? Oh, yeah, totally. I think this is, um, this, you know, I was kind of worried that it would be maybe kind of dated you know and thus it would be hard to go back and watch but this has got me really excited to go back and watch it because it doesn't it didn't really feel dated to me um, wait till you get to season one of next generation oh, no. <laughs> if you want dated well um give me the skip list <laughs> yeah. it's one of those it. things where it's like you have to watch the first season to get all the important backstories that they don't let go of i'm gonna say I can compile an easy list of the important episodes. You don't have to watch all of one and two. We should post that. That might be fun. Yeah, we yeah. can post it I, if anyone else is interested in getting into Star Trek. Yeah, and is a virgin like there me. are some painful episodes. Yeah, <laughs> like Nick the black slime episode. But that's really important. It's a very it important. It's episode. extraordinarily it's important. Such a shitty episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I liked it. I, I definitely want to uh, keep watching more. It just kind of it hit the notes of everything I like about, you know, like Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars and all that stuff. So, yeah, okay. I'm a fan. And, and this movie, you, you, I guess you kind of sum that up. Yeah. yeah, I definitely would say on a side note, though, I would have been so fucking lost if you hadn't <laughs> explained everything to okay. me in the beginning. So I'm really I feel like this was like the best case scenario for me to see this mm. movie because you, you know, prepped me for it, basically, which is a really challenging thing they have to deal with making these movies. Yeah. You know, they have to make each individual movie completely accessible. And that's why the Kelvin universe works so well. Yeah. Because they could just completely reset everything. Yeah, and they really, I would say they explain things better in those than they necessarily did here. Yeah. Because the, I mean, the very beginning, like, you know, he doesn't actually say I was one of the Borg until like way the fuck down the line yeah. in the movie. So in the beginning, <laughs> if you didn't know that, you'd be like, what the hell is going on? And you maybe know? it would have been a point of suspense because yeah. he's having Borg nightmares. Maybe that's true. What's happening here? Yeah, maybe. It could have worked on that level. That's true. And then it would be like a reveal when he actually told Lily and you'd be like, gasp, yeah. nah, shock and, and awe. I, <laughs> I think comic books 
fight that battle constantly. Mm. Like, I don't want to start reading comic books because it's 50 years into the story. And that's, (laughs) that's where you get like Crisis on Infinite Earths and New 52, where DC keeps rebooting the whole thing. And then four years into that, they're at the same point again. You know, I've been rereading the Harry Potter series and I was thinking to myself when I was rereading it, I was like, there's no way she's going to like explain what happened in the previous Mm -hmm. book, you know, or explain this character. And I was actually pretty surprised. I'm on like the third book now and she does, but she recaps it in such a quick, easy way that you understand and we move on and it's fine. And it's like... You know, she'll be like, Harry knew all about the Chamber of Secrets because he was, he, you know, was, had this battle and it lasts, I'm doing a shitty job right now, but she does (laughs) like a quick and casual way of like recapping you that it totally works. Um, And I just thought that was an interesting example of doing it well, you know? It's, it's one of my biggest writing peeves uh, that authors and writers don't know what needs explaining. Yeah. Um, And I think that might be part of the reason why you would have felt lost in the Mm -hmm. first half of this movie is -hmm. because they explained too many things that didn't need it. Like even the, even the, the, the time going back in time, their explanation for it was not the explanation the audience needed. Right. It was like, (laughs) yeah, it was like the technical explanation when all I needed was something simple. Like, Oh my God, they went back in time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And look, that's what we needed. It looks like we're caught in the temporal wake. And it's like, what the fuck is that data? (laughs) It would have been cool to even have some sort of visual cue to indicate that. Like in terms of on screen, it was like a fuzzy thing because they were following a ship, but there was no like well, enter that's true. warp speed or any sort of visual like that. The visual cue there, and, and they've got an interesting challenge with this movie, is in, in Star Trek Four, we knew they were in 1984 because we know what 1984 looks like because we're in the movie theater and it's 1984, right? Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. this, it's 2060. And some people might watch this movie and like, oh, Star Trek happens in 2060. Okay. Like, you don't know because it's our future, their past. There's no immediately like, oh, I know they've gone back in time. That's true. There was a very boring episode of Deep Space Nine where it was a two-parter where they went back in time to something that was in our future that I don't give a shit about. (laughs) But only like 20 years in our future, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, They do have the visual of the Earth, but it's all roboticized, like – Florida's got like a weird robot branch coming off of it. And yeah. the problem with that is that maybe that's what Earth looks like in the 25th, <laughs> right. fourth century. What are we yeah. at? Fourth? Yeah. But there's an extra layer to that. That didn't tell us that they were back in time. That kind of told us that Earth has changed because they went back in time and changed it in the past. Yeah. And I'm supposed right. to get that from that. We don't yeah. know what Earth is supposed to look like yeah. in their time normally. Yeah. So exactly. That's, that's they had some of, tough challenges, and maybe they didn't explain them all. Yeah, they, they did not. <laughs> yeah. Some tough challenges they usually explain with one line of dialogue. <laughs> so God bless all the parents and uh, significant others that got dragged to this movie yeah. in its time. Because <laughs> the fans loved it. I'm pretty. It's. I, I think so. I think it's pretty well liked. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty far up there. So what do you think, Sam? Um, I really enjoyed it, but not more than I enjoy the show. Okay. And I think. Agreed. Yeah. I think. Agreed. Yeah. Because it was less of a. I don't know. Something about 
Star Trek, the show, has really nailed that sort of 45-minute timeline, and they do a really good job of fitting a story within that. I feel like when they're given more time, it, they struggle with um, kind of balancing problems. And, yeah. You know, it doesn't quite flow as much. You know, either they focus too much on one problem and it's kind of boring, or then they get too technical and it doesn't make sense. Okay. So I still... Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a story that was born of a TV show. Yeah, but don't take that sort of criticism as me, like, not liking or enjoying the movie. I did actually really like it. It's super fun to watch. Excellent. Brett, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is definitely enjoyable. I feel like most of my thoughts are things that are really, really Star Trek picky and not really about the movie so much. Uh, like the, the Borg Queen thing. and But I think, I think really the... We've said it like 10 times already. Like a good a- blend of action and the sci-fi that Star Trek usually brings in. Uh, I liked it. I, I would imagine most people would enjoy this movie, uh, even though they'd be lost for half of it. <laughs> I thought the point was, don't try to be a good man. Just try to be a man. <laughs> that was such a Riker line, too. Yeah. All right. So, Benj, having seen a lot of Star Trek, what what are your feelings on this movie? It holds up surprisingly well, but some silliness yeah i think he just described star trek yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like totally on the level of doctor who where you're like it's oh. so to- it's enjoyable but it's like a little silly you know the concepts yes. sometimes star trek is significantly more grounded than doctor who. i could see that for sure however i would reference you to season one of both Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, the way you feel about season one mm-hmm. with Chris Eccleston, Doctor Who, mm-hmm. yep. you will feel that in Star Trek, that Next Generation season one. Very oh, maybe we feel differently because the first episode of Doctor Who is actually my favorite episode of Doctor but Who. Man- but I mean, yeah. the, the cheesiness that you get in season one, you know, the monsters that wear human skin and make fart noises, you know, like, oh yeah, there's no, some goofy shit in that season. Mm-hmm. And also with the first season of Next Generation. Yeah. There's some goofy shit. But Star Trek, Star Trek is timey-wimey, but is not wibbly-wobbly. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Yeah. So where are we going to get more of your stuff, Benj? You're a stand-up comedian. You're doing gigs around town in yeah, L.A. Yeah, no, I'm at the comedy store on occasion. Um, I can keep you updated on uh, my appearances at, at Sideshow Benj. <laughs> that would be B-E-N-J. Correct. Okay, Sideshow Benj. Like Benjamin, not, not like a bench. It's a <laughs> very common mistake. People are always sitting people on call you, you getting bench? confused. Yeah. Yep. I thought you were a bench. Treat me like bench. Usually old people in the park trying to feed birds. Mm-hmm. They're the worst. <laughs> cool. Well, hopefully we can catch up some catch some of your stand-up. Please do. Right on. Cool. Well, thanks, Benj, for, for joining us for this. I think it was fun. And thanks for having me. Yeah. If you like the show, this is part of the Last Stash TV network of content. Uh, it's this podcast and a YouTube channel with video game parodies and a drinking show and a cooking show and some other stuff sometimes. We got cool stuff coming out soon. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, and you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow le- uh, this podcast at Let's Rewatch on Twitter. And I done fucked up, guys. I was going to say. Oh, we didn't get a picture. I didn't take a picture. I done fucked up. You can up. still post one now. I that could. That people can see before the release. But thank you, everyone who's following us and tweeting at us. Um, we appreciate you. We value you. <laughs> You're a tribute to society. And... Piggybacking on that, if you appreciate us, you will give us a review on iTunes or Google Play Music because you love us. Yep, you did it. (laughs) I did.
So we do this show every two weeks. Make sure your subscriptions are all up to date and join us next time for another episode of Let's Rewatch. Yeah, next time we're going to be watching Faster Pussycat. Kill, kill. <laughs> oh, no. Is that the sequel? Is there a Fast Pussycat Kill, Kill, Kill? I forgot we sh- the song we should have done. It's been a long road. No. <laughs> from there to here.